0: Let us worship God. reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 17th chapter, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that your fresh word might fall upon us this day. Amen. from the dead. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
1: listen to the word that god has spoken listen
2: Good morning. It's great to be here uh, with you today, this uh, third Sunday in Black History Month, and uh, in our liturgical calendar, uh, Transfiguration Sunday. I have been uh, reflecting on the meaning of transfiguration and on my page here, I have some definitions written out. <laughs> because the Greek word uh, in the text that is translated as uh, transfigure is uh, metamorpho, like we would say in metamorphosis, like what happens uh, with a butterfly a change of physical form, structure, or substance, especially by supernatural means, a striking alteration in appearance, character, or circumstances. Metamorphosis is a supernatural change a drastic one, it is a change in substance, a change in what is perceived, a bringing of the inside to the outside, a revealing of something that was previously unimagined. Have you ever been uh, with someone and felt like the person that they're relating to wasn't you at all? Like the way that you were being seen didn't feel like who you actually know yourself to be? How was that experience for you? What did that feel like? Have you ever had the experience of being seen by someone, like really being seen for who you are, maybe even seen in a way that surprised you or caused you to actually see yourself in a new way, in a more complete way, in a way that you perhaps didn't even know that you were longing to be seen. What was that like? One of my favorite recent television shows is a series on HBO called We're Here. Has anyone seen it? Oh, you should watch it, yes. It's a show in which uh, three drag queens visit small towns across the United States to meet members of the queer community Uh, dress them in drag, and then they put on a fabulous show with them. And in every episode, they meet at least one person who has been unable to express themselves as who they are, out of fear or shame or some combination of both. And when Shangela, Bob the drag queen, and Eureka O'Hara, the the drag mothers, uh, affirm these folks' identities, and invite and encourage them to authentically express who they are, something really profoundly beautiful and moving occurs. The joy that surfaces and bursts forth when they see themselves, when they really get to see themselves, and when they are seen, really seen and supported for who they are, when what is inside of them finds expression on the surface, ah, it just brings tears to my eyes. Every episode, I swear. Transfiguration. And of course, also in some of the episodes, they show people who are transfigured by their anger and their hatred erupting in scenes of rage and loud vocal violence. In their fear and ignorance, some parts of them are lost to other parts of who they are. And it's so easy to believe that the ugliness of their violent speech and actions is all that they are. But when faced with these people, Bob and Shangela and Eureka, sincerely and fearlessly lean in and invite, continue to invite their critics to see them for who they are in all of their fabulousness, honey. And even when the response is still a refusal, the queens just walk away smiling and wishing their detractors well. There's an expression of compassion and an honoring of complexity that they express and it is inspiring. It is powerful, it is moving, and it causes me to reflect on the amount of deep internal work necessary to not become activated in the face of such aggression and hatred. And so, this is what I believe transfiguration is a bursting forth of something inside that changes the way we are seen and understood by others, that maybe even changes the way that we see and understand ourselves. And transfiguration, it seems to be relational, there are witnesses. Transfiguration can also be confusing when the transfigured person in front of me defies my assumptions, perceptions, and even my core beliefs, that experience absolutely can inspire fear. It definitely leaves an impression. And it begs the question, is there something for me to learn here? How open am I to learning something new? How invested am I in my learning? What's getting in my way? And I need to be reminded to listen. I need to be reminded to listen because it is listening to the experiences of others that helps me to better understand and acknowledge the realities of the world around me. It is listening to the voice inside myself, inviting learning and growth and change that helps me to integrate those new and difficult understandings. And so, uh, in our story this morning, as a spiritual care educator, I want Peter and James and John to be curious about Jesus' experience. I want them to wonder with him about the meaning of what had just happened. I want them to speak to that break in his voice when he mentions again the fact that he will be killed and resurrected. I want them to celebrate with him their recognition of his radiant beauty. But they get caught up in their own experience and don't really listen to what Jesus is telling them. He tells them, about his impending murder and they make it about them. They see and hear who Jesus truly is and they are overcome with fear and they had to be reminded to not be afraid. I need to be reminded to not be afraid. This morning's story begins with six days later So about a week earlier, Jesus had told his followers that he would be tortured and put to death and resurrected. Jesus climbs the mountain with his closest friends, and they get a glimpse of who he really was in all of his glory. And his disciples were terrified. Jesus' followers did not want to believe what Jesus had told them about who he was or what was going to happen to him. They wanted to believe their own assumptions about who the Messiah was to be and what he was going to accomplish. So for them, the Messiah was going to lead the revolution to overthrow Rome. That Jesus said he would be arrested and killed was antithetical to their understanding of who he was. So Jesus brought these few up the mountain so they could see with their own eyes who he really was. And in the company of Moses and Elijah representing the great lineage of the law and the prophets, Jesus is positioned as their successors to carry forward this tradition, but in true Jesus' form, he does this in a way that defies expectations. We have the advantage of knowing how the story ends, but Peter and James and John only had their assumptions and their ideas to inform them. If Jesus wasn't going to overthrow the government by force and instead was going to be killed by that same government, what then were they to do? Where was the hope? They needed to be reminded to listen. They needed to be reminded to not be afraid. Langston Hughes uh, writes a poem. I, too, sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides... They'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I, too, am America. So this American dream, it seems, is a dream of whiteness, a dream of rugged individuality, of personal property, amassing wealth, climbing the ladder, a dream rooted in a preservation of the normality of power over, encouraging the activity of rising above, overcoming obstacles, never mind that those obstacles are intentionally configured to favor certain people at the expense of others. And I am one of the certain people who is favored. I need to be reminded to listen. And there is history and there is black history and they are separate and obviously not equal, black history being relegated to the shortest month of the year and for the most part left out of the rest of what is handed to us as history, which is primarily exclusively shaped by the perspectives and experiences of white men. And I am a white man And whiteness is a part of me and all that whiteness has ever stood for and ever will stand for lives inside of me. And I have to keep reminding myself of this because if I don't, I'm prone to continue to make mistakes. Make the same mistakes that my ancestors made. The mistake of assuming that my experience and the lessons I've learned from my experience are universally applicable to everyone's experience, the mistake of assuming that everybody aspires to the whiteness inside of which I live, the mistake of denying the reality of the impact of the collective trauma of slavery, murder, theft, Jim Crow, lynchings, unethical medical experimentations, mass incarcerations, racist laws and policies, redlining, segregation, and the list goes on. I need to be reminded to not be afraid. If I forget my whiteness, I forget that my experience is essentially different because of my whiteness, I exercise my privilege of being able to forget our collective history and write my own universal narrative, one that is more palatable and compartmentalized a history that is comfortable for me, one that allows me to bury my head whenever I feel fear or discomfort. I need to be reminded to listen when it is so much easier to disregard what I am hearing because it doesn't fit my assumptions. I need to be reminded to not be afraid when it is so much easier to give up. And I want to let myself be seen for who I truly am. I want to see myself in all of my complexity. I want to see my complicity with systems of oppression and my internalized racism and generations of installed homophobic and misogynistic masculinity. And I want to be able to hold that in compassionate conversation with the radiant and fabulous beloved child of God that I know I am. And as I practice with this, I notice that I am more able to hold that dichotomy for others. And maybe this is what Jesus is inviting his followers to do. I need to remind myself to listen, I need to remind myself not to be afraid. Maybe by inviting his friends to witness his transfiguration, Jesus was inviting them to confront their old ways of thinking about and understanding who Jesus was and who they were in relationship with him. And maybe it was an invitation to themselves to be transfigured by the immensity of God's calling of him and them. Jesus is inviting his friends to be invested in their learning, to not be distracted or discouraged, to learn how to use their own resources, to learn to listen, to learn to not be afraid. And this calling Itself is a calling to be transfigured, to allow the brilliant light of God that is a part of each and every one of us to shine through us so brightly and so clearly and so blindingly that we are seen in a new way, that we are able to see others in a new way, a way that invites Transfiguration itself. Listen. Do not be afraid. Amen.
0: Oh. Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in word, in silence, in community, and in song. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth and listen. Listen with compassion. Listen without fear. And let the truth of who you are be an invitation to transfiguration.
2: And now, friends, may the love and light of God grow within you, shine from you, and touch everyone you meet. Let's go in peace.